Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself with the purchase of a Jace case, providing you five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. You can get yours today at jacemedical.com. That is J-A-S-E medical.com. It's been difficult to pinpoint exactly what's been holding back this Penn State offense from those big explosive plays. It's also even more difficult trying to figure out who's going to win between Penn State and Ohio State. But why don't we bring on an expert to discuss just that? You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That is right. You are Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. My name is Zach Seiko. I'm your host of the show, bringing you all things Penn State Nittany Lions and joining us. I mean, it couldn't be more of a privilege, special guest, because seeing him in person, play on the football field, watching his career, talking about his career, and now he's joining the show as a special guest, and that is Christian Hackenberg, who holds records as a Penn State quarterback, made it into the NFL, was drafted by the New York Jets, and now he's uh, the podcast host for The Pocket over at State Media, the resume speaks for itself christian thanks so much for the time today on the on the show here zach that was probably the kindest intro i've ever had man i appreciate it uh thanks for having me on Uh, absolutely i mean like i said it's it's i want the conversation to be a service to penn state fans because we're talking a lot about the penn state offense mid-season review how they're going to match up with ohio state and just everything that you're doing with state media because you've gone you've gone the coaching route you tried baseball a little bit Family's incredibly talented, so I'm I'm not surprised yeah. that you tried your hand at professional baseball a, as well. But then settled into coaching with a former teammate of yours in, in Bill Belton, and and now doing the media route, just like uh, a lot of us are. And I, for what it's worth, I do I very much enjoy the show. We'll talk about that in the second segment. Let's let's go right into it. For for everybody that's new here, please subscribe to the channel Locked On Nittany Lines wherever you get your podcasts. Also subscribe to State Media because that's where Christian Hackenberg is joining us from on YouTube. And wherever you get your podcast, you can find all their content. Uh, Christian, this the offense hasn't had the explosive plays. Yeah. But then you start to do a little bit more of the digging, the research, right? And Penn State actually leads the Big Ten in rushing yards per game. Drew Aller has not committed a turnover, an interception, or a fumble yet. The offense, period, had not committed a turnover until the Trey Wallace fumble. And that was a little 50-50. That, that yeah. one was debatable. So that one went to UMass, but... Besides the point, a former Penn State player actually got the fumble recovery, if you can believe that as well, in UMass's defense. Besides the point, but Penn State has played clean football to this point on offense. They've grinded opponents down. They basically had the formula that Michigan has been using for the past, I would say, five years or so. Yep. And now it's in Happy Valley for Penn State. So uh, for, for through six games, Christian, what are your ultimate takeaways, your interpretations of this offense? Because I wouldn't say that it's a new look, but it's certainly it's a lot more rigid and a lot more defined than it has been in the past few years. Yeah, I think part of that is, is you look at just the turnover in, from from mm-hmm. offensive coordinators. I mean, since I've been there, you went through John Donovan, Ricky, Joe, Joe, Joe Moorhead, Ricky. Uh, two or three other guys, and now you're on your stitch. So it's just that's a lot of turnover. It's really hard to create an identity, um, especially when you're building a roster. And uh, I think Coach Frank has done a, a, as good of a job with all that turnover as, as you could ask. Um, yeah. 
in terms of, you know, just, just fits, right? That's, that's what a lot of these offensive staffs and offensive minds are, are looking for is fits and then consistency and being able to reload. So when you look at what, uh, what Yersich has been able to do this second year, I, I, I just think it's not, it's not new. It's, it's not even rigid. It's just old school. Like, and, and everyone's going to the more transformative, spread it out, let's chuck it around the yard, light up the scoreboard uh, type of mentality. But I'm I'm of the old school mindset where, again, if you can if you can turn around, and hand the ball off for three and a half yards every time, uh, if you can stay on, if you can not commit penalties, not turn the ball over, stay on uh, stay on track, stay on schedule, uh, and move the ball down the field. Like more, all the power to you. It's almost as hard as being a super explosive offense. It just takes a ton of discipline and and execution on a consistent basis, and that's a testament to the coaching staff and a testament to the kids ultimately. And I think I've said this. I think it's not a lack of talent for them to be explosive. I think that there's a lot of different things that go into it. The defense has given them a lot of short fields throughout the year. Yeah. They've been turning the football over as well. So, you know, when you when you're picking the ball up on the on the on the plus, in plus territory. You know, it's 30, 40 yards a pop. You, you can, you don't, you don't have to be. So, um, again, I'm, I'm patient. I've talked about it on a few different occasions about Drew. I think a lot of the explosiveness, explosiveness, at least in the passing game, has just been, I, I just don't think he's super polished yet in that part of his game. I think from the 20, 25 yards down, he's deadly accurate, takes check downs, um, mm-hmm. super, super efficient. And for uh, a young, inexperienced guy overall, I think does a fantastic job of that. Um, But you saw a little bit against UMass. They tried to push down the field. I think Mm -hmm. he tries to almost be too perfect with it. I think he also has to kind of see it as opposed to kind of throwing guys to where he needs, where they need to be and and giving them a chance, whether it's getting them to flip their hips or whatever. So uh, I I think those are all things that are going to come. Um, I think uh, highlighting maybe the line, the tight ends more. So in the in the passing game, from an explosiveness standpoint, they did that a little bit this past week. So it's it's developing, but I think fortunately they have enough of a backbone and a DNA in terms of being physical, running the football that they can kind of bake in and, and develop all those things and still be really competitive. So that's my take on it. Um, and 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 again, I, I I've been preaching patience, and I think that's going to be key. I like that. And my, my comment back to that is I appreciate the insight and the honesty because there's a perception that a lot of uh, former players, because you played under James Franklin and you, you went to the school, you graduated from the school, you like Penn state a lot. And most people say, well, players can't be critical of the place that they attended or the players they played with the teammates and the institution. And I just, I, I respect the honesty and the transparency about what you are honestly seeing in Drew yeah. Aller's game, um, and, and what what he can work on, and what he will work on, he's going to get he's going to get better. Those are all things that happen as you get reps. Like like I said, I mean, ninety five percent of stuff I say about that kid, and especially just because I think it's an unwritten rule with quarterbacks. Like we know how hard it is, and we know how mm-hmm. overanalyzed it is. Um, there's a lot of positives in his game, uh, a, a lot, and I just think for him again the the growth and development to being what I think the expectations are for him is is going to be those more finite details like like being able to how I mean he hasn't really been in a situation where he's had to go down and win a game with two minutes left like how's he gonna react there he, he 
hasn't had the explosive shot opportunities, or at least he's had some opportunities, but he hasn't had the percentage. So him just being able to go back and study tape and figure out, you know, hey, how can I give these guys a chance? Because a lot of these balls that he does throw down the field, they don't even have a chance. They're either, you know, four or five yards past them or so on and so forth. So just figuring out ways to be safe and, like, be consciously risky, if that makes sense. Well, what it, let's go, let's dive into that deeper a little bit because there was that, I, I don't know if you saw the viral press conference clip and I'm not going to ask you to comment that on that, but the question was supposed to be uh, understanding the, the deep ball a little more and why Penn state isn't actually taking risk. Because if you do look at those analytics and those statistics, Penn state has not been throwing the deep ball. Is that specifically by design? Because Drew Aller has, has the arm at his age, at, at, at his level of play. And I think the accuracy, I almost think that sometimes of Drew, not throwing it away purposely, but let me put, let me keep it away from the cornerback, the defensive back, so that they don't get it. So what what is the issue here? Is it a matter of inaccuracy? Is there some play calling element to it? Or, or is there this, I don't want to make a mistake, as you've mentioned. Is Drew Aller protecting himself from make, committing that first turnover and now 16 appearances in college football, if folks can believe that? Yeah, it's almost like he's got to just get one out of there just to get out of his system. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's a great question, but I think what even some of these statistics and yeah, I I like it, but I am weary of it as well because Mm -hmm. I don't really know who's recording it, but you sit there and and you watch it like most, most modern offenses, which this is whether in terms of a passing game development standpoint, there's, there's always some type of vertical threat option in a passing concept. Like even, even like simple, like West Coast mesh, there's going to be a post over the top if they're playing quarters and that safety gets nosy and being able to go go up top over them. So the, I think that there's been – I don't think it's an offensive issue. I think that there's opportunities there. They're built mm-hmm. in. Um, I, and that's, again, just being able to get to two or three and then, you know, hey, I'm going to set this up, so on and so forth, as a quarterback and, and play that game. Uh, play that game within the game, if that makes sense. The one yeah. thing I will say is I think sometimes uh, when, when I look back at the different coordinators and just watching Penn State football since I left, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Moorhead, I thought, was really good at being uh, unexpected. Like there's, there's kind of that written rule and coaches rule book, mm-hmm. like second and short, you know, plus territory, here comes a shot, you know, uh, yeah. a quick change, plus territory, here comes a shot. Like I see a lot of these shots with Penn State or when they at least dial them up, whether Drew throws it or not, it's a different story. Um, they're, they're very predictable in terms of okay. when when the timing is. Um, so I think being a little more creative and a little more um, savvy with that, you know, mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's a little bit of a difference between Moorhead and Yersich, and that's something that I think could be studied. And these guys, I know that they're working on it. And that's that's yeah. the thing. Like, again, I, I I know how much blood, sweat, and tears go into this, like, top down from the janitor to the to the head coach. Like, yeah. so these guys are studying it. There's there's GAs whose eyes are bloodshot right now from watching so much tape and figuring out ways how to do it. But I think it's a little bit of everything. And, and then, mm-hmm. you know, again, I, I don't want to crush Drew or hammer the point with Drew. But mm-hmm. just like I said, figuring out when – when it makes sense and when it doesn't like I was always kind of the gunslinger. Like I was going to take a shot at some point in time (laughs) uh, just because I couldn't help myself. Um, 
from a mentality standpoint. But I also respect Drew's like he's like, if it's not there, I'll just check it down and let Nick Singleton or Katron Allen get me some yardage. And they those things oftentimes turn into 10, 12, 15 yard gains. So it's you know, it's like, hey man, I, I can't I can't knock a kid for for playing really efficient football. So there's Drew Aller's decision making. I'm not I'm not trying to criticize it, but just the digi- yeah. decision making is a is a factor here. I want to ask you the final part of just this midseason review before we talk about what you're doing with state media, Adam Brenneman, Brandon Bell, and Ias Hawkins uh, yep. with state media and your coverage over on those podcasts. But for Penn State's offense as a whole, they've seen stubborn with the inside zone running. When we've looked at the counters or the outside zone and running off tackle, Penn State has had those been closer to those explosive plays. I'll keep it simple. Do you feel like, okay, the lack of explosive plays might be, yes, sir, 50-50 concerning, but do you get the impression that some of the stuff is staying tight to the vest because you have the ability to win with the hands? Like at a poker table, you're able to win with the hand that you have, so why try to go and get all these, uh, you know, get all these other cards that you're capable of winning with on your own because now you can save this stuff for Ohio State and Michigan? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there's probably some things that the staff is holding. I don't think it's as big of a focus or as big of a play as some folks. Have. I mean, I'm even at fault for doing that a little bit earlier on in the season. Like, I don't think <laughs> guilty, it's that, guilty as charged too. Yeah, like I don't, I don't think it's as now that I'm watching it. I just don't think it's as big of a factor or as big as uh, big of a deal or possibility as people make it up to be. But what I will say about like like certain things like the inside zone, that's like salt and pepper at the dinner table. Like every offense runs it and you can build so much off of it. You know, you got Mm -hmm. your RPO game, you got naked game, you got all kinds of slice game and movement with your tight ends. So it's kind of like the base for everything. You know, it's your, uh, it's your roux for your suit, for your, for your sauce or whatever. So it's, um, I think it's necessary. And again, you know, if if they're, if they're averaging three, three and a half yards a clip, it's a very efficient play. It's a binky for that. It works. Hey, you know, if we got to, we got to get something going, got to, you know, whatever it may be, it's, it's always a great setup. And like I said, it's a foundational part of it. And like, it often does set up some of those other things, those gap schemes and the counters and, you know, you can, you can do a lot with it. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I expect some, some gadgetry to come out here, especially in some needed type of situations. And Yersich did that in the past with Cliff, you know, some unbalanced sets, some other creative mm-hmm. ways to create shots. And to your point, you know, they're doing it the way they're doing it. Like, I, I don't need to pull, pull this stuff out. You know, I'd rather them not prepare for it for, you know, two <laughs> yep. or three, you got to bang a timeout or whatever. So there's probably a little bit of that gaming going on, but um, I, I've just been really excited about, this game in particular, you know, we've, we've got out and handled business. There's been some struggles, but that's expected. Uh, you know, everyone struggles a little bit, but at the end of the day, our, our margin of victories through the roof, our defense is the best defense in the country. And, you know, it's, it's, these are the type of games that, that we got to win to get over the hump. So uh, I've been, I've had this one circled since August. Let's take a break and hear from one of our sponsors of today's episode, and that is Jace Medical. Everyone should feel empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. 
They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off using promo code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That is promo code LOCKEDON at jasemedical.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. Snap back into NFL action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, spreads, player props, money lines, totals, and so much more. Right now, Penn State's a four and a half point underdog to the Ohio State Buckeyes. And that total has taken a nosedive all the way from 54 to 46. So if you like the line, you got to jump in because it keeps moving. That is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. All you got to do to go get those lines is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off college football, the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And the Locked On Podcast Network amps up college football coverage like you haven't seen it before with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Every Friday, starting at 11 a.m., previewing all things college football for the weekend, talking about the big games, Penn State, Ohio State, talking about the big matchups, the conference rivalries, college football playoff implications, the way only the Locked On Podcast Network can do it. That is Locked On College Football Kickoff live across the Locked On College YouTube channels starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time Friday, and then you can play it back wherever you get your podcasts. Well, it's approaching seven years. Penn State's lost the last six games against Ohio State, and It took that magical block field goal, but sometimes that's what it takes. And when you think about these Ohio State-Penn State games, there has been that type. The closer ones, there have been those spectacular type of plays. I mean, even the one that you played in at Beaver Stadium. Let's discuss that in the final segment, Chris. Like, really just lay it all out there with the Buckeyes and the Nittany Lions and how they match up. But in this second segment here, I really do. I've been intrigued by the state media launch since it did launch uh, not too long ago. It's gathered a lot of traction and no surprise because yourself, Adam Brenneman, face Brandon Bell faces a Penn State football for a period of time. And, and college football has a lot of turnover, guaranteed turnover. But you guys have always remained consistent and built that foundation of where Penn State fans are never going to forget about you. And now that's translated and formed into state media. Yourself, Adam, Brandon, Aeneas that I've already mentioned. How did this all come about? Because you did take the part of the coaching route. You have been doing uh, some appearances on CBS Sports Talking College Football. Uh, You have a family. Congratulations, by the way. Appreciate it. So you're juggling a lot. So, And then you had your career that you graduated in out of Penn State uh, as a main priority as well. So why why state media? How did this happen? Yeah, well, uh, Adam obviously reached out and and the the – the kind of grandfather companies, Mercury, Mercury, that's mm-hmm. uh, Mercury, but um, they, they have strategic relationships with a bunch of universities. And, and again, this is kind of like that play on the NIL space, um, but their focus is on media and content creation. So, you know, being able to work very closely with the collective up there at Happy Valley United, um, this wasn't just like a, Hey, hop on this podcast and just be a talking head. Right. It was, mm-hmm. it was an opportunity for me to come back and get involved uh, kind of at a, at a, at a higher level with 
the entire inner workings of this new thing in college sports that's going to be here. And for me, I looked at it as just a continuation of kind of like that ethos of why we stuck it out in the first place in 20, 2012, 2013, 2014, 15, right? Like, you know, gave a lot. Gave a lot up to come here and, you know, was really my main focus was just leaving it better than it, than, than it was when I came in. I think we all did that. And, mm-hmm. you know, just having an opportunity with Adam in this space um, to give my knowledge out and talk, talk, talk through it with folks and and then also work on that on kind of the behind the scenes stuff and really start getting Penn state competitive in that NIL space and, and doing any, any part that I can with it. So that's, that's where the mercury connection was a little more appealing than anything else that ever came up. Um, and, you know, I've done some of those. I was with the, with the field of 12, which is a field of 68 kind of sub brand with, uh, okay. Jeff Goodman and Rob Doster. And then that was more of like a talking head fun thing, right. Just to yeah. get some reps and see how I liked it. But, uh, you know, it was more of the bigger picture with mercury that really sold it. And I mean, the relationship with Adam is there watching your guys' show or you guys interacting. You've been been brothers and, and you've had those brother interactions, too. Right. Uh, those those disagreements that have made yeah. you stronger because of it. I'll let people go check out the content uh, for for itself. Uh, but um, and then bringing on Brandon a, as a co-host to form the pocket and then working alongside Aeneas Hawkins as well. Why? Why Brandon Bell? Because this could have been, I guess, a, I it's not to discredit Brandon. I know that he's worthy because you had a selection of a bunch of other former Penn State players that could have been your co-host. Why him? Yeah, I think Brandon, Brandon's Brandon been working in the space behind the scenes um, on the production mm-hmm. side. Um, and he's also – I'm in I'm in Jersey now. My wife's a Jersey girl, so uh, I lost lost that battle, but the war's not <laughs> over yet. So Brandon was back here. We, we were in Cincinnati together towards the latter half of my career. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just – rekindled our our relationship through that and then stayed in touch like i said he's he's from oak crest it's just like mm-hmm. south jersey's small and big at the same time like it's weird like you're around a bunch of people that you know and they're like oh you're here and it ends up being like 25 minutes away so him being close made it really good and then obviously like i said everything we've been through the relationship relatability and then um giving him an opportunity to get on the other side of some stuff that he uh he's been doing uh, both at NFL films and all kinds of places like that. So, um, yeah, it made sense. And B's, B's good at it. And I think the goal is just to get, give guys more and more guys, specifically Letterman of all ages, of all, all eras an opportunity, um, to get in front of it. So B's one of them, but we've, you know, we've kind of made it a goal to kind of unite that unit and unite the different eras of Penn state football. Um, so that's, that's coming down the pipe as well. So that's going to be fun. How has your relationship with Penn State grown because of all of this? Because uh, you've said this yourself, that you felt like you should have been back at Penn State a lot more frequently than you have. I've heard a former teammate of yours, Alan Robinson, admit that as well. It's just getting back to campus and visiting Happy Valley more often. So how has your relationship with Penn State changed over the course as you've gotten into coaching, you had your time in the NFL, you had your time in other professional football leagues, going out and doing professional baseball and kind of being able to balance all of that of let me, let me return to my roots. And now you're back here finally with that. And then what, and in addition to that, what is your relationship with James Franklin is now you, you were once a player under him and now you yeah. cover him and you have to critique what he's doing actively. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I, um, I'll kind of start from where you began. I think it was just like, to your point, there's a lot going on. You know, it's really hard. I was married at a relatively young age, like house, all this other stuff. We, like you said, just, just had our first, our first child had a, had a boy. So he's six months. That was actually a big part of like wanting to get back and, and be more active. And my wife played the cross up there as well. So we're both Penn Staters. So we both were like, it's just, it's only right. You know, we gotta, we gotta raise them raise them being up there being familiar with campus and so on yeah. and so forth. So uh, that, that was a big motivation fact, motivational factor. And then, you know, I've just had a lot of really good interactions with alumni and, and, and Letterman and stuff like that. And I'm, I've always kind of not about me behind the scenes guy. I still am. Um, but they've just really encouraged me to, to step out of my comfort zone and get up there and, and just start benefiting from the fact that, you know, what, what not just me, but we did during the time of when we did, it's, you know, incredibly valuable to where the program is right now. And then, you know, just leveraging that and, and not in a selfish way, but just leveraging it to, to, to both benefit from it, but then also help to continue to give back and, and continue that mission. Um, Cause we all want to win national championships here. So um, yeah, I think those all things played a factor. And then, you know, coach Franklin, I think he knows the game, man. Like he understands, um, you know, you gotta be fair uh he we're uh, us as former players are probably going to be more fair and more understanding than than folks who didn't get to play for him or at that level so um i think he respects that and and adam's done a good job of getting him on on the show and and going so i I look forward to continuing to work with him and you know behind the scenes and also you know hopefully in front of the camera at some point so we're going to take another break in our conversation with christian hackenberg and get back to it in just a moment Let's hear from another one of our great sponsors, and that is eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and live up and level up to its peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Well, I encourage everyone to go check out State Media itself, the parent channel for The Pocket, which is a show hosted by Christian and Brandon Bell. And then you can see the Lions Den with Aeneas Hawkins and then what Adam does with Next Up uh, as well. But that in itself uh, is a bigger show too, but he has his, right? It's a portion of it is devoted to Penn State and uh, State Media. Let's move to the final segment now, transition to Penn State versus Ohio State. Like you said, circled on the calendar, game of the year, one and O mentality. I, I like it. I appreciate it. But yes, you look forward to the likes of the Buckeyes and the Wolverines, especially to settle the score. Now, in Michigan's case, it's three to three. Like it's a close series in terms of the last six years. But in the last six years for Penn State, Ohio State, it's gone to the Buckeyes. And what stings even more is that Penn State has had its opportunities to win in 2017. 2018 2019 2020 and 2021 2022 a little more uh, of a struggle but especially that those three years of 2016 through 2018 that was a different type of penn state team 
And now it feels like they're back, and I'd say better than ever. Christian, would you agree that this Penn State team matches up the best against Ohio State for the better portion of a uh, decade here? This one specifically. It, it might even go back past a decade. I, I was actually, it's funny, I was talking to Joshua Perry about this. That's He's going to okay. be on our show this week um, when we release it. But it, when you pull out the paper and you just go, roster to roster on paper it's the closest it's been I, like i said i mean it probably goes back past 10 years okay. um wow and it's but but that's what's awesome about it is you saw you know kind of one program that was leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else in the big 10 in ohio state for a very long time and then you have another program that was in the bottom of bottom at 2012 2013 2014 and and so on and so forth was still competitive to get up for those games and then has just slowly continued to climb out of that, got him in 16. And, you know, I just think that it's, it's cool to see that. And now I think Ohio state's realizing that the dispersion of talent um, is becoming easier, especially with the transfer portal and things of that nature. So, you know, Josh talks about, Joshua talked about it yesterday. He's like, you know, Penn, you know, Ohio state fans are all bitter and this and that, but it's, it's really more of a testament to everybody else. Like they're getting better. And that's good. You know what I mean? You're getting challenged. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the the growth, the depth and development of this roster is is why I had this game circled, because I said it last year, especially in the college football playoff, when you pulled out paper again and went side yeah. to side, like Ohio State was the only team that could compete with Georgia from just a straight talent perspective. The only team that could, they did. Um, they should have won. They should have won that game. They should have beat them. Um, and, uh, you know, I just think seeing, seeing where Penn state is now and what the product they've put on the field, I'm just, I'm fired up for it. And it's one of those things where I, you can't like say one thing or another is really going to tip, tip the, the scale for this game. Like there's no outstanding or glaring mismatch. That's going to be something that can be taken advantage of. I really, truly think this is going to be very similar to an NFL game where it's going to come down to four or five plays. Um, yeah. probably in the, in the fourth quarter that is going to decide it. Let's look back at a game that now you never had the opportunity to, well, you did have the opportunity, but unfortunately those Penn state teams that you played for, that you quarterback for came up short against Ohio state, particularly the one in 2014, that was very close. You can factor in some hypothetical hypothetical penalties that would have taken 10 points away from the Buckeyes. Things change Penn state upsets. Uh, a ranked team in Beaver Stadium, so but just had to wait until 2016 for that to happen. When you look back in 2014, what worked in that game? Because Penn State was not on the same on that day, definitely on the same level, and definitely performed better than the Buckeyes. But it's sometimes the way the the ball bounces, yeah. or the way that or the referees swallow their whistle too. There's that factor in it. But what do you remember the most about that game, and things that maybe could be applied from that game to this instance this time around? I think we all just stayed in it. I mean, offensively, we started slow. Um, you know, I, I still don't think that Vaughn picked me off there, but, I'll, you know, I'll give it to him or whatever. <laughs> That's a whole other story. But, um, you know, there's uh, – we started slow offensively. Defense picked us up, and we just stayed in it. And then we started making some plays. Deshaun Hamilton had a huge night. I think he had, like, 15 receptions. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just doing a great job of, of getting open for me. We were moving him around. Um and we had to be creative all year, really, that year and even the following year to, to move the ball efficiently. We didn't mm-hmm. just have, like, the war chest of 
here we go, turn around, do this. Like we just didn't have it. So when we when we get to those types of games where you're playing in Ohio State, who who's had that for a really long time, you know, it, it, we did need something, and the defense came up with a few turnovers for us, got got the momentum, and I think, you know, our best players were able to come out and just kind of make some plays. And it, as everyone knows too, like that environment, white out, mm-hmm. funny stuff happens. Twenty sixteen is a testament. Like funny stuff happens there, and you know, I think it was just sucked we definitely had a couple chances to beat them um that's one of my one of those plays in particular is one of my biggest regrets as a player i talked about it on one of our first podcasts over there at the pocket but um yeah man it it was it's awesome and i always got up for these games um i just love i got and it's it's also a respect thing like i have so much yeah. respect for ohio state the yeah. tradition um the mentality that those guys brought you know blue collar hard nose like physical games I, I i got up for those like those were those were really fun to be part of i wanted to ask next about ohio state's quarterback i am not surprised that you like talking about quarterbacks i found your conversation about drake may pretty interesting even though the penn state crowd was like oh forget about this talk about the yeah. talk about the nittany line players that we know but i was appreciating it because drake may i think is a special talent Kyle mccord's from pennsylvania so is marvin harrison jr and travion henderson's from virginia so you have some mutual connections here across the board but focusing on Kyle McCord as a player he struggled the first couple of games people wanted Devin Brown in instantly the Buckeye fans didn't have patience and now you look at it and quietly Kyle McCord is only has the one interception I mean Drew Aller has no turnovers but Kyle McCord has not been turning the football over and of course he has an incredible stable of wide receivers but individually what is he doing? And do you seeing him having a very bright future down? Because I think Drew Aller could be a top pick in an NFL draft. What do you see for Kyle McCord at this stage of his career uh, going into the going into the future and what he yeah. brings right now? Yeah, I like Kyle's game, man. I, I think like technique, he's he's super, super solid. Um, and yeah, it was funny. I, I, I heard the same noises. I just thought that Kyle gave them the best chance, especially the way the team was built. And and so much of playing this position is like confidence and, and having confidence both breathed into you and then you exhuming it at everybody else. And I think he mm-hmm. just needed some of those things to really get it rolling. And I think that drive particularly like the lat- the fourth quarter against Notre Dame really did that for him. Um, and he's had some ups and downs. He's going to, you know, they, like I said, Ohio state is where they're lacking this year. And I guess would be the only kind of glaring mismatch that I'm watching is on the offensive line and and then the injuries in the backfield and not a very sustainable run game. They've always been able to turn around and run the ball explosively, which has put teams in a big bind because it's like, do we dedicate extra hats to the box? And then we have to worry about, like you said, Marvin Harrison Jr. Mecca Buka, uh, mm-hmm. who's the kid from Pennsylvania. Uh, Julian Fleming. Julian. Yeah. Yeah. Julian Fleming, like, so yeah, Southern kid, like um, it's, it's tough, man, but but kind of without that running game and running threat that's been a, a, a stable, a statement for them and a, a pillar for their success for the past few years, you know, I think that's going to be the big mismatch. And can you get Kyle off his spot early and force him to do some things that I don't think he particularly wants to do? So, you know, I, I, I think for him, challenging-wise for this game is going to have to be kind of playing a little bit more like Drew because he does push the ball down the field a little bit more than you watch Drew do it. He does take those yeah. shots. He does try to get Marvin Harrison the football, even when it's, you know, not the best look ever, but he trusted him, played high school ball with him. So 
Yeah. It's one of those things where I think he's just a little bit more of a mature player. Um, you know, just more practices under his belt, more things that he's seen. But um, I think he almost has to take more of the Drew approach where he's got to start facilitating and just keeping those guys on schedule, stay out of third and sevens, live in third and short to, to five tops, like second mediums, like great. Like he's got to, he's got to play that type of game because um, you know, I, I just don't know how much, um, how much time he's going to really have to be able to dial things up. So, but I do love him. I love the kid. Um, I, th- I think, I think he's got a very bright future as well. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's I'm, I, I can't pull for him this week. Obviously, no. <laughs> like, I'm going to be watching him a little more. Uh, that's quite all right. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, I, I, it's funny. His, his dad, they actually live on this, on, on the Jersey side. Right. I think now his dad, uh, I think his dad's a member at my golf club. So I bumped into him a few <laughs> weeks ago, which is funny, small world thing. Yep. Um, but you know, it's just it's just cool seeing seeing how how proud he is of him. And like I said, I was I was watching him the whole year because I I was pulling for him too, St. Joe's kid, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So, a final thought, and I know that everyone wants to hear what you think about this Penn State and Ohio State game specifically. Now, feel free to share any predictions you might have, Christian. Yeah. But I, what are your thoughts on Penn State and the game plan here? Because we've seen that commitment to inside zone establishing the middle, just the, just basically the trenches. Penn State has tried to establish the trenches, and I think that's a little different from the the stretch of the field, Joe Moorhead, Ricky mm-hmm. Ronnie as well, but now Mike Yersich really wants to ground and pound and say that we can grind you out to a victory and wear down your defense, and it's worked at this point, but Ohio State's defense is a little better. Are there any wrinkles that you might be anticipating, or what does Penn State almost have to do against an Ohio State defense that they basically had the pre the privilege, the fortune of being able to get away with against some weaker opponents, Illinois, Northwestern, that they're really going to have to tighten up against the Buckeyes. Yeah. I mean, I think they are definitely going to have to, to establish the run game and be able to rely on that, especially with this environment and mm-hmm. Drew never really playing in a game like this. Like, I think that's going to be really yeah. important to get him comfortable early um, you know, be be cognizant of of how to get him going from a passing game standpoint. You know, get the ball to his hand quick, early, settle him in. But he's going to have to make some plays down the field. And when you look at Ohio State, you know they're they're pretty much a predominantly single high team. Jim Knowles is very much like Manny Diaz, un, unpredictable. I think the reins were yanked a little bit, especially after last year with him doing some very questionable things, you know, <laughs> and they're, from, and they're better because of it this season, at least the right. statistics stay that. Right. So it's, it's, um, I think for him, he's going to have to start taking advantage of those because you're, you're, you're going to get those opportunities, especially with a, with a single high team and you're going to get those one-on-ones. I want to, I want to see our receivers win, but I think there's ways that we can, again, get the tight ends involved and give him some just really good, confident explosives. Um, and ultimately, you know, going back and forth and just overall prediction of this game, it's like I said, it's going to be an NFL game. I think it's going to be a dogfight. Um, I have a ton of respect for both of these coaching staffs, and um, I know that they're going to come out with their best. Um, so it's to me, it's going to be four or five plays. Who's going to make it? Is it going to be Drew? Is it going to be Kyle? You know, is it going to be um, Keandre or is it going to be Marvin? Like, that's and that it's going to come down to one of those types of particular, maybe even a running back, but it's it's one of those things where you're going to have to have kind of that that staple like Saquon run versus USC or something like that, okay. you know, yeah. just explosive play that just blows the lid off the place. 
if you're saving it for later, I completely understand. But can I at least get a can I get a winner? Penn State or Ohio State? Who wins? Well, this I mean, we have to win. I've been talking yeah. about this as as us being a you know we got to get over the hump here. I think this one is the biggest one because then mm-hmm. there's still a lot to play. Like I, if if I was to pick one of the two, like I think you could slip up against Michigan and still make it, but you got to get this okay. one first, in my opinion. Would you say that this is a career-defining game for James Franklin, even though he's now been at Penn State for the better part of a decade, over a decade now? Yeah, I mean, career-defining? Like, I don't know if you could say that, but I would say this is probably the biggest game of his career to this point at Penn State. I think he's he's just he's just got to get over this hump. Yeah. It, and, and it's – you have, like I said, you have a very, very competitive and almost identical-type roster, like – it's it's now like can I get my guys ready at that level, which is a lot of pressure. Like you're not worrying about other things mm-hmm. that he was probably worrying about in previous years. So now it's just like, can I get my guys ready? Can I get my coaching staff ready? And and can we just make the right decisions throughout throughout the game and put the guys in the best position to be successful? And then if you can if you can do that and, and close your eyes and at night and you know put your head down, I think win, lose or draw, he'll be he he will be all right. But you know. Now, from a media perspective, like I think this is the most important game in James Franklin's tenure here at Penn State. Yeah, I guess it'll be a it's been a fun storyline for us, and it'll be an even uh, better storyline for not for better reasons, but for like you said, content and pushing the discussion and yeah. any sort of narratives. Uh, and now, now you're in this industry, ladies and gentlemen. That is Christian Hackenberg over on the other side, former Penn State quarterback, NFL quarterback, now current host, quarterbacking the pocket with Brandon Bell over at State Media. I encourage everyone to go check out that channel, State Media, on YouTube uh, and follow Christian Hackenberg's socials as well, Brandon Bell, Aeneas Hawkins, and Adam Bredeman. You do such incredible work. Like, that needs to be said to you. You know that. But, uh, Christian, I really appreciate the time, the insight, and an honest conversation about how you're seeing what the Nittany Lions are doing this season. Yeah, Zach. Uh, not a problem, man. Anytime. Just you know how to reach me, and I, I, always, I always like chopping it up. It's, it's fun. So I appreciate it.